I'm excited about sharing with you today, and I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. Southside is a church that's striving to, to love Jesus, to know truth, to serve others, and to reach people for Jesus Christ. And here at Southside, we have two offices of leadership that are seeking to lead us all towards the fulfillment of those four statements, to love Jesus, to know truth, to serve others, and to reach people for Jesus Christ. The two offices are elder and deacon, and they are designed to complement one another. The office of elder is the office of pastoral oversight and shepherding, and the office of deacon is the office of practical service to the needy. Every church needs a pastoral oversight body to teach, to lead, to protect, and every church needs a body, a pastoral body to provide official, responsible care for the suffering and needy members of the church. Now, Southside has been under this leadership structure for 15 years, over 15 years, and some of you may not know exactly what that means. And I hope that today's service will inform all of us and encourage all of us, particularly in regard to our elders. I'm really grateful for the faithful leadership here at Southside. The elders began praying about the current process that you're being exposed to today back in August of 2012. And after around six months of praying, we uh, invited the current elders to join the process and two men agreed to enter the elder process. They began their journey sometime around February of 2013 and now here towards the end of 2014, we are affirming as a church family God's leadership in this matter. The elder process typically lasts between 18 and 24 months. And during that time, we provide training through some eldership, elder leadership material as well as experiences that are geared towards confirming God's will. We spend hours with each candidate Individually and as a group of elders, we have discussions which, with each of their wives and we require a very invasive questionnaire to be con- answered by the elder candidate. We spent the last 10 months or so giving these men an opportunity to function with the elders in a non-authoritative role where we could determine together if these men were in fact called to partner with us as elders. And personally, I just want to tell you, it's been an incredible experience. It's been very encouraging and confirming along the way. And I'm really grateful that I can represent our current elders in saying to you that we commend these men to stand before you today and receive this affirmation of this calling that God has placed on their lives as elders here at Southside. The two men that we're going to see and hear from today, they're agreeing to give of their time, their resources, and their energy, and their lives to further the ministry here at Southside. These two men will not be compensated monetarily for this decision to serve. They're volunteering their lives as elders, partnering together to better lead Southside to follow Jesus Christ. Each of these guys has gifts and talents and skills to give towards serving as elders and they've been called by the Lord and today we are affirming that calling as a church family. These men are faithful and they're trustworthy 
and they're grace-filled men, and I'm thankful to be able to partner with them in this endeavor. So after today, Southside will have eight men who have agreed to serve Southside as elders on our elder council. Eight faithful and devoted men who are striving together to trust Jesus in serving Southside with their lives and family. The eight men that will comprise the elder council oversee the entire church in the direction of the church. We provide leadership, guidance, protection, shepherding, oversight for the church as a whole. We do have two other pastor elders on our staff. Uh, Kurt Prater is the worship pastor and Jamie Moore is the youth pastor. Those guys are qualified to be pastors, to be elders. They just don't share the same responsibility in being a part of the elder council that oversees the entire direction of the church. Those guys just oversee the areas in which they are responsible. but They do not share the overall uh, responsibility of leading the church. We have eight men after today who take that responsibility as our elder council. So the eight men you see standing before you this morning, myself included, are responsible for the overall leadership of the church. I want you to meet each of these men. First, I want you to meet the guys who are currently serving as elders, and I want you to hear a little bit about them. And then in a moment, we'll hear testimonies from the two new guys as to their hearts and calling to this matter. So Danny. My name is Danny Dozier, and I've been serving as an elder here since 2007. And uh, currently my responsibilities are in the area of teaching, primarily in our new members' classes. I'm Gene Goodwin, I've been an elder here since uh, 2004. And uh, I do Christian caregiving. The, that's a new name for Stephen Ministry. You probably remember that. Uh, back years ago. Good morning. My name is Scott Kemp. Uh, I've been an elder since 2011. Uh, my areas of responsibility are with the stewardship team, and I spend two or three hours a day, four or five days a week up here doing administrative stuff. My name is W.O. Elmore, and I've been an elder since 2011. And my primary areas of responsibility are children's ministry and worship ministry. My name is Tim Richardson. I'm the university pastor here. I have the great privilege and opportunity uh, to lead our college students, college ministry, and I also oversee our missions ministry. I've been an elder since 2011 as well. During the first service, I watched these guys do this, and I thought to myself, there is no way that what they just did gives an accurate picture of what we really do. And uh, I, I, so I've been thinking since the first service, how can I give a better uh, picture of what we do? And so I'm going to try, so this may be a flop. We may have to edit this out of the video later. But I'm going to try this because I think it will better help you guys understand what's really going on when you see these, these guys. These guys you just heard, along with myself, we create a team. We, we literally are a team and we lead together. And so, so I'm thinking about in terms of a football team, how would you describe these guys? So Danny is like the old offensive lineman, the veteran on the team. He's the big guy that's in the trenches. 
He's going to be there all the time, faithfully, the whole way through, always providing the, the word that we need to call us back to our faithfulness. I mean, he is constantly concerned about the integrity of God's word, and he is in the trenches all the time giving that voice as our offensive lineman. Gene is like our special teams guy. You know, he's really critical to the overall game, um, and the roles that he plays are very specific, but then he comes alongside the rest of us, encouraging us in all of our roles. He is the consummate encourager. He's the guy that is going to be encouraging you everything you do and making a difference in the roles that he has. And then Scott, each of these guys right now are thinking, what is he going to say I am? Please, not the water boy, you know. So <laughs> Scott, Scott is the every down running back. Um, his ability and schedule has changed over the last several months so that he can be here on a regular basis and receive a handoff on some of the dirty work and some of the stuff that's really going to be hard on an everyday basis. And we're giving him the ball and he's running in the hard places and doing a lot of incredible things to help our team every single day of the week. And so that's been really fun to see that change. W.O. is like our deep threat receiver. Now, Now, what does that mean? Whenever W.O. has a task, the way he carries it out always makes the rest of us look better. Um, he, we, we oftentimes will say, well, who's going to do this? And all of us will kind of be waiting for the moment that W.O. says, I'll take that deep pass. And because uh, we know if he'll take that, we'll all look better for it. And he's always willing to, to take that opportunity and that responsibility. Tim is like the over-the-middle receiver. He's the, he's the go-to guy that's willing to take the hard hit. And... Uh, Tim has come to me many, many times, come to the team several times and said, hey, if I need to do this, I'll be happy to do this. I'm the one that wants to do this. I mean, one of the things he did when I went on sabbaticals, he preached every single Sunday for eight weeks. That's just the kind of leader that he is. He's willing to take that shot over the middle, and I really appreciate those guys. Now, I function more like the quarterback. I'm making the plays, calling the things at the line of scrimmage, and oftentimes getting piled by the defense. But that's just the way it goes in my line of work. Now, what I want you to understand is each of us plays a role on the team, but the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator is the council of elders. I'm, I'm not calling the plays. And I think that's so important for you to recognize that we function together as the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. We are making the plays together. We're deciding the game plan together. And this team approach allows us to better serve and lead you. And I just hope you understand when these guys get up and share how long they've been here and what they do, that is a much bigger picture of teamwork that's being unfolded here. And today, we're excited to have some new guys join the team. These guys are rookies. We're going to take advantage of that in every way we can. They don't know exactly what role they'll be filling on the team completely. But we're fixing to enter training camp where they're officially on the team. They've signed the contract. And we know that God has put them in place and has a role for them to fill. And this morning, you're going to get to hear a little bit about their hearts. And I think you'll begin, along with us, to begin to see the rightness of God's plan to put them on this team. So, Patrick, you come and share. My name is, is Patrick Hurd. Uh, somebody help me with this. There we go. My name is Patrick Hurd. I want to tell you my favorite verses in the Bible are Philippians 3, 13, and 14. This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I reach out to the goal to win the prize for which God 
has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. These verses tell me that I cannot be satisfied with my life, not satisfied as a Christian and not satisfied in my service to Christ. Of course, ask people that know me and they'll tell you I'm not perfect, I'm not complete, and I won't be until Christ calls me home or Christ returns. Not being satisfied means continuing to listen to God's call in very specific ways. When I came to Southside, my family and I, I I wanted to be a listener. I wanted to be a student. I didn't want to be a leader at first. I wanted to just listen and see what God would say and where he would call me. And I also wanted to find out how this church, the leadership, how it functioned. I'd served the Lord in many different capacities. I could have just rested and attended worship and Bible study. I could have fallen back on my previous service to the Lord. My wife and I had served as a pastor of a church in Colorado almost 25 years ago. In every church I'd been a part of, I assumed some kind of leadership position. That could have been enough. I have a full-time counseling practice. I serve the Lord there. But honestly, in the five years that we've been a part of Southside, God's call to service never left me. At first, I led some small group men's Bible studies. When I was rehearsing this, I had to, uh, the pastor was talking about the football metaphor. I had to remind myself not to say small men's group Bible studies. (laughs) So I guess we'll be a football team and not a basketball team. And then I substitute taught. And when the opportunity came for a new Sunday school class to form, I volunteered to teach what became the Conqueror's class. It's a wonderful mix of people with different life needs and different life experiences. I love working with those folks. When I was invited to start the journey of becoming an elder, I was humbled by the company of men that I was invited to be a part of. I had seen these men. I'd seen them in action. I had witnessed their character and integrity. But most of all, the thing that stood out to me is these men were authentic in the way that they lived their lives. And they're authentic in the fact that they not only demonstrate strengths, but also are vulnerable with their weaknesses. And they're accountable to each other and to others as they seek to be obedient and faithful to Christ. None of these men are satisfied with mediocrity. None of these men are satisfied with complacency. 
they also are strivers. As I strained and struggled to hear God's voice, despite my doubts in becoming an elder, I realized that though these men were inviting me to be a part of their group, that it was really God who was extending the call on my life. And that call was to continue what's been a part of my life, to be obedient in reading and studying God's word. But now no longer for myself, but to be one who teaches and protects and refutes error and corrects error. And it means personally being involved in your lives in a way that I encourage you in your walk to follow the Lord as a member of this body of believers. It is with humility that I have said yes to God's call. And I press on toward that role as an elder to join with these other godly men in a shared responsibility. I am worthy of this role only because of God's equipping and the Holy Spirit's leading in my life. There is, there is nothing in me, nothing at all that I have to offer. And I must continue to strive to be humble in obedience and faithfulness and following God's call in this awesome, challenging elder position. And I would ask for you to pray for me as I seek to serve him. Good morning. I'm Russell Eckert. I'm a rookie. For those of you that don't know me, I'll, I'll tell a little bit about myself. Um, I've been married to my best friend, Linda, for 28 years. We have two beautiful daughters, Katie and Kristen. Uh, Katie's here with us this morning. Kristen's off at college. I was born to wonderful Christian parents, Daryl and Dolores Eckert, who modeled for me service to the church, dedication, Christian love. Um, and most of my childhood years were spent uh, growing up north of San Angelo. Uh, I attended San Angelo Lakeview High School, graduated from there, uh, went to Texas A&M University. Thank you. I graduated from Texas A&M University with a degree, a doctorate in uh, veterinary medicine, and my first job out of school was here in Abilene, and it happens to be my current job. My partner and I now own several veterinary clinics, which Linda helps us to manage. I was first introduced to church leadership about 20 years ago by a pastor who mentored me, and he brought me along as he served and as he ministered. And it was under his tutelage that I came to know that God had gifted me in teaching and administration and in construction. And since then, I've been involved in a variety of church leadership positions, and I've been able to use and to grow the gifts that God's given me. God led us to Southside Baptist about seven years ago, uh, and I remember that because it was the week that Taylor Prater was born. And... Uh, 
the, the leadership here soon allowed me to begin serving uh, with special projects. Uh, I began to get to substitute teach a Sunday school class, and I got to start te- serving with the deacons as well. And before long, I was full-time teaching that Sunday school class, the uh, Firm Foundations class, class, which I still teach today, and I've been ordained as a deacon. I never really believed I would get to serve as an elder here. Uh, There were so many more men who were older and wiser than I, and I just never thought that that would be a possibility. And and I was satisfied that I got to serve as a deacon and a Sunday school teacher and got to work in the men's ministry. Um, But scripture hold true, which says that God confounds the wisdom of the wise. Unbeknownst to me, God spoke to this group of elders, and because of that, they invited me to begin the process of discovery and learning and, and uh, examination uh, and service with the elders. And so you can imagine my amazement when W.O. called me about two years ago and, and invited me to begin that process. Linda and I spent significant amount of time in prayer, making sure that this was God's will for our lives, and uh, he confirmed to us that this was the position that he had been preparing us for. And at that point, I began this process of examination and learning and service that leads me to stand here before you today. And as Kevin has explained this morning, the, uh, the, the position of elder is a shepherd over the flock. And I always thought I knew what the elders did here. Uh, I knew that they oversaw the business of the church. They supported the staff elders. They answered the, the big questions. They, they did the hard stuff. But... I was right in that. However, through this process, I have learned uh, so much more about what the scripture really says about elder leadership. And you know that feeling you get when something really scary happens to you? You get this sick feeling in your stomach, your knees get shaky, you can't feel your toes, your fingers start tingling, you get tunnel vision. That's, That's the feeling I got when I realized the seriousness of the position of elder. And, and I realized that when I read the first half of Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Listen to the first half of that verse. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. When I read that verse in the context of being that leader, I realized how serious God is about the job of an elder. Each of these elders one day is going to have to individually give an account of the souls that have been entrusted to their care. That was a defining moment for me. I really had to do some praying and some searching of my own soul to make sure that this was, really, was the God that, uh, really was the job that God had called me to. And, and so during this time, I confided in a Christian brother and, and told him of my concern. And the words that he, he spoke to me were some wisdom that I know came directly from God. He told me that God has been preparing you all along for this time, for this job. And I realized that at at that moment that what he said was the truth. I can look back over all my experiences in leadership and service and spiritual growth and see how God has been preparing me for this role as a shepherding pastor in this body. And so I stand here before you today and I confess that I'm not perfect. God's still working on me. And I give him the honor for being able to use imperfect folks like me to do his work. And I promise that I will love you, I will serve you, I will pray for you, and I will teach you as he gives me the ability 
for as long as I'm called to serve you as an elder. Thank you. Don't you appreciate their hearts? It's good. If you're here today and you're still wondering, what exactly is an elder? I mean, they look old, but... I mean, they do. I, Tim and I, young, you know. I, ho- I hope you've heard the heartbeat of these guys' lives and their intentions to shepherd and to lead and protect. The elders as a group, as a team, are charged with the responsibility to protect the doctrinal integrity of the church. We want to stand on truth, and these men are charged with that responsibility. Charge the responsibility to lead the ways and matters of church discipline and also redemption through church discipline. To equip the church for ministry, to promote unity and fellowship in the church family, to be examples of following Christ and examples of sharing the gospel. We share the responsibility and the authority together and we all have an equal voice at the table of decisions. There's no one who has a more powerful vote. We all have the same authority and voice at the table of decisions. And we have been called as a team to provide humble servant leadership for your sanctification and your faithfulness. And I hope you see how much of a blessing this is to your life and provision this is from God for the strengthening of the church family. Maybe another question you might be asking is, what are, what are the real benefits here? What are you talking about? You say, this is really good for us. Well, there's a couple things I think are important to, to recognize. First of all, elder leadership provides a, a plurality of leadership. And that means that the church will not be left to popular vote. And the church will not be left to the leadership of one authoritarian person. We share the responsibility of shepherding the flock. And no one elder is doing all the decision making. We are a team, a plurality of leaders. That means we have checks and balances in our leadership. We have accountability and we have discipline within our council of elders. It means we make better decisions because we don't move forward unless we have unanimity. We take the time to let God bring our hearts to the place of being unanimous in all decisions. And that means it takes longer many times to move forward, but we found that the time required for all of our hearts to be on the same page is a great benefit to the safety for our church as we seek to follow Christ together. We make better decisions because we use all our gifts. We use all of our talents. We use all of the experiences and the wisdom that we have from those experiences along with each of our walks with the Lord. All of those things come to play in everything we're doing in order to serve you and lead you. A plurality of leadership protects and provides for an opportunity for congregational polity. That means that everyone can be involved in the direction of following the Lord as a church family. We give an avenue for every single member of our church to be involved in where God is leading us. Our direction is not determined by popular vote, but is really determined by the Lord leading our church family under the oversight and leadership of the elders. Sometimes that can be more difficult than simply taking a vote. It doesn't mean that we don't vote on matters in our church, 
but it does mean that every time we approach a decision, we want to create an environment and an opportunity for all of you to have a voice in the direction God is leading us so that we might be serving the body as we lead the body. A plurality of leadership means that you have many pastors who are available to you. I hope you recognize these men as men who are available to you to help you, to encourage you, to help you walk through difficulties and challenges in your own life. I grew up in a church that did not have this kind of leadership structure. And so when I came to Southside, this was new and different for me. And I was a little bit cautious and skeptical in the beginning. But as we've discovered together what it really meant to provide this kind of leadership, I can tell you that over the past near 15 years, this has proven to be an unbelievable blessing to my own personal life. I'm really convinced that if not for the leadership structure we have in place, I don't know that I would have made it uh, this many years, particularly the first five years I was here as pastor. Not only has it been a personal benefit to me and, and Lindley and our family, but this leadership structure has been an incredible benefit for you. And for many of you who have been here and you know, started coming to Southside in the last year, last five years, last seven years, you're experiencing some incredible fruit and healthiness in this body. We have problems, no question, but we have a really great way of walking through those problems and seeing the Lord's goodness in them. And there's a lot of health that's happening here as a church body. And you're really experiencing the fruit of what this leadership has provided for our church family over the years. And so this is an incredible benefit for all of us. Now, if this is new to you, this concept of this type of leadership is new to you, we invite you to ask questions, find out all that you need to find out. Our SSBC 101 classes will certainly provide a forum for that to happen. And uh, you may be wondering, what else is unique about Southside? What else do I need to know that's different if this is new for you? And there are two things I would want you to hear this morning that really mark us as a unique set of, a unique group of believers. And not unique in the sense that no other church has these marks, but I want you to know these traits identify us. Number one is the position we hold on Scripture and doctrine. So I want you to hear this. We have no official creed except the Bible. We hold to a general statement of beliefs called our basic beliefs. You can see those beliefs on our website under a leak called basic beliefs. I would encourage you, if you've never read those, to read those. Those are our official statement of what we believe about the things Scripture teaches. And we affirm that all of our authority rests not in our confessions, but in the Scripture. And so we also affirm two, one other confession, the Southern Baptist Convention's Baptist Faith and Message, the year 2000 version. And so you can look at that confession of faith and also see what we have affirmed as a church in terms of our beliefs regarding Scripture. Now, as far as Scripture goes, I want you to hear this and make no mistake about it. We accept the Scripture as the all-sufficient, infallible rule of faith and practice and insist upon the absolute inerrancy and the sole authority of the Word of God. This is a distinctive about us I would not want you to miss today in light of our leadership structure. The other one that I want you to know is we've chosen to affiliate with the Southern Baptist Convention, our national convention, and our state convention, the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. We've chosen to affiliate with those conventions on the base of theological agreement. So they're believing the same things about the Bible that we are believing, and we are cooperating together on the basis of that theological agreement to take the gospel to the world. 
And so we're co- cooperating with thousands of other churches across the nation to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth, which means we are a church who is giving our money to reach the ends of the earth. We're giving our time by going um, on trips and making efforts to reach the end of the earth with the gospel. And we are praying for those who are living at the ends of the earth to reach the gospel. We are engaged with many other people in our convention, many other churches, to cooperate together so we can accomplish more together than we could by ourselves. And that is a major identifier of who we are. Those are things I want you to know about us. We have a leadership structure that provides for a plurality of leadership. You're seeing it before you today. We believe the word of God that is trustworthy and true. And we cooperate together with others of like faith to reach the ends of the earth. That are, those are defining elements of who we are. And the men that stand before you are given their lives to lead us as a church family towards those ends. Now, what does that mean for you? What are you supposed to do in light of this kind of leadership? Well, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, you heard Russell reference earlier there, the end of that verse says that, that you as a church should really strive to make our job as leaders one full of joy and not one full of grief. Not because you want us to be happy so much as it is because if we are happy, it's better for you. And so I want to encourage you to think about your role in terms of how can I make my leaders more joyful in their leadership in what I do. And I want to give you three suggestions that will move you towards that end. Number one, to walk with the Lord every single day. Make sure you're creating a pattern in your life of walking with the Lord, spending time in prayer, spending time in His Word, and yielding your life to following Jesus Christ personally. Number two, I'd encourage you to use your voice in the direction of our church. The the leadership structure here is at its best when everybody's taking advantage of the fact that you have a group of men who are wanting to serve you in following Jesus Christ and incorporate you and your walk with the Lord in the direction of our church. That takes time and energy. And we want to give time and energy towards that end because we believe God wants to guide us as a church family. But that is a lot easier and a lot more joyful if you're willing and interested in making sure you share what God has laid on your heart, particularly in times of decision and times of direction. So use your voice. And lastly, just continue to be a people who give of their time and their skills and their abilities and their resources. Just follow the example of your leaders and give of your life here in this place and in our community for the sake of the gospel. I want to read a a verse to you. This is a verse that I shared with the guys in the first service, and I just want to focus in on Acts 20, 24. And this verse, I believe, is, the, is the, really the, the, the game plan for success for these two guys. If these two guys will follow this game plan, they will not only become a, a valuable part of our team, but they'll help us move forward towards the goal of reaching people for Jesus Christ. So listen to this, Acts 20, 24 says, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. If Russell and Patrick are to be successful in this calling that God has laid on their hearts, it requires them to not count their own lives as dear to themselves, but to instead give their lives for the sake of the gospel and finishing this calling God's placed on their lives. We need men who will join us 
who will lay their lives down for the sake of the gospel. And Patrick and Russell are here today to tell you that's exactly what they've decided to do. And they're joining with these men on stage who have also made that decision. We are not standing before you because we are more worthy or better in the way we live or more perfect than anybody else. We're standing before you simply because God has called us. And in response to his calling, we have said, I consider my life worth nothing to me except that I might finish this task for the sake of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. If we will continue to be those kind of men, you will continue to be served well through the grace of God. So pray for us that we will be those kind of men. Pray for Russell and Patrick here in a moment that they will be those kind of men. And please don't forget that the success that God has called us to as a church family, to bring glory to God, to be a ready bride waiting for the return of Christ, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, that that will only happen if we all say, you know what, it's not just that our leaders need to consider their lives as not worth anything to themselves for their own account, but they need to be people who give themselves for the glory of God. It's not just our elders that need to do that. We all need to follow that example. And we all need to say, I don't consider my life worth anything except that God might use me to finish whatever he wants me to do for the sake of the gospel. When we are a church who is following Christ that way, God will be glorified and we will be ready for the return of Christ. And that's ultimately what today is about.